What is up, everybody? Welcome back, or welcome to another episode of the Outliers Podcast. Been a little bit between drinks. Lost track of the months, actually, but it's funny because the podcast goes in cycles. Like, sometimes it goes really, really quiet, and then a lot of times, you know, the, the wave of people will message me about a certain thing in the podcast. So, first of all, thank you for everyone who is still listening, still still playing the game uh, along at home. And as always, this is about the outlier type. And if you haven't, if you don't know what that is, or you, you may be new to this, and please go back episode one or two where I outline pretty clearly, you know, the temperamental style of the outlier. This one's gonna just gonna be about organized chaos, specifically to do with the way the outlier brain organizes itself. Firstly, it won't be an organizational system like anyone else, you know. So over the years of working with this type, like you know, usual planners, usual CRMs, usual calendars just don't work. And it's just, it's it's like shoving this complex machine into a really nice ordered system that on paper looks good, the idea looks good, but in but in actuality, the it actually constrains and constricts the outlier type brain. Because this all has to do with, this all has to do with complexity, you know, the early environment of complexity, you have a complex brain. And so things that make sense to you, that order you, do not make sense to a normalized psychology. So there's a constant sense of conflict when an outlier is trying to work in a company or you know, trying to you just organize a house or whatever, or even organize an event. There's heaps of miscommunication. And typically it comes down to uh, the, the outlier will organize things that creates a sense of order for them, uh, not realizing that it's quite different for everyone else. And here's some typical examples. Like you, you will have things where you know where they are, and that sense of order will make sense to you, but no one else. You know, your partner might be like, "Why do you put your shoes on top of that box?" And you're like, "Oh, well, the answer is complicated, but <laughs> essentially, the reason why the shoes are on the box is because." There's a flow of my life. I know that in a certain point of time, I know where they are. I know it doesn't make sense to you, but it makes sense to me. That's the kind of theme here. Partly, partly this is because how the brain wires up early along. Partly it's got to do with how the outlier brain uh, conceptualizes time is a little different. Uh, most outliers are either really, really early or really, really late. And so that plays into the, the um, organization function as well. The trait I'm talking about mostly here is trait conscientiousness. Uh, it's very, very standard to see quite high levels of conscientiousness inside outliers. But that the conscientiousness splits into two dimensions. So one of the dimensions is orderliness, you know, how ordered do you need things? The other dimension of that trait is uh, industriousness, which is really simply the ability to do hard work when it's called for. Now, if we look at those two things, and I take all the time I've spent with outliers across the years, they 80% fall onto the industrious side, which tells me this. If you're an outlier listening to this, you can do hard work when it's called for, when it's necessary, but don't expect to do it in a really orderly fashion. Uh, expect to do it in your orderly fashion. Now that might upset people, it might, you know, ruffle some feathers of the typical perfectionist, but I'll reiterate, the outlier can do extremely hard work 
in a, in a very, very focused way, um, in bouts of focus, short, sharp, a couple of hours, but still short, sharp bouts of focused, focused work when it gets hard. But the order, the orderliness will not be high. The orderliness and the planning and the precision won't be how other people expect it, but it will be orderly for you. Now let's talk about the social implications of this. The social implications of this is you've got to be like hyper-communicative with the people around you about your version of order. For example, my wife. My wife (laughs) has a bit of a hard time with me. I get it. So she could easily tell me to do things a different way. And look, she's probably right. Let's be real. She's most likely right. But for me to order things how they should be ordered is incredibly taxing. It's incredibly, incredibly taxing for me to, let's say, here's a good one. For me to organize my bookshelf in an orderly fashion that would make sense for everyone else would be a very, very time-consuming, painful task for me. So I have books in the car. I have books in the office. I have books on the office on the ground. I have books in the office on the desk. I have books in the back of the car. And I know where they all are. Now, I'm not saying there's a reason that they're all there. I'm just saying I know where they all are. And so if I want to say, you know, I want to grab my Alfred North Whitehead book, which is Process and Reality, I know that is on the top shelf of the desk on the left-hand side, and it's the top book on the left-hand side. So I know where it is because I bloody put it there. (laughs) I don't need to go put it back in the A section of the bookshelf because that is the model of order. I know where it is. Now, as I said, the social implications is everyone's going to tell you how to do things. Everyone's going to tell you how it needs to be done for the universal model of order. I'm here to tell you, don't do that. It, it, although it's the universal model of order, and we could take that for anything, someone might be asking you to order some data, something might be asking you to order, I don't know, whatever. But there has to be an allowance for your version of order. And if you keep folding and trying to do things in quote-unquote the perfectionist way or how the social pressure wants you to do it, then you'll get the, it'll be really taxing. You'll get it done, but you'll get it done in a really slow way. It'll be inefficient. And then it's not going to take long before you rip it apart anyway and it ends up back in your flow of order, which is a controlled version of chaos, you know. And that's just kind of how it goes. So no matter if you do put time and effort and energy into putting your clothes in the right spot, making sure the car goes back in the right way, making sure you get up at the right time in the morning so you get your banana smoothie in or however, whatever your structure is, please know that it will not take long before you pull that perfectionism stuff down and everything starts to go in the same kind of spinning vortex of how you normally have it. So adopt it. Learn about your controlled chaos. Learn it. Watch yourself go in these cycles of order, and you'll see there is an order to it. Then the next phase is learning how to communicate the reason why you order yourself that way. You know, communicating with your most important, your loved ones, your close people, and then colleagues, and then you know, scale out from there. But but help people understand why you order things that way. And I'm not saying justify. I'm talking about the um, 
extended senses of pressure that outliers feel because of a lot of the time the lack of understanding, a lot of the time the projection of other people that you know they think we're chaotic and it may look that way. There is a, a hidden order to the outlier brain. It is why there's certain levels of competency and complexity, but it's also why there's some levels of emotional pain and disruption is because the order is not it doesn't fit very well with typical order. But if you, as, as I said, your goal as an outlier is to not change who you are, it's to pay attention and see that there is order in there and it's just your version and as more of a sense of self-identity of owning that version of order. Um, so I do this with clients, right? I don't, I don't keep a lot of client notes because I have a different system of order. You know, the system of order is really, really personal. It's really dynamic. It's really in the moment. So I only need a couple of notes to completely reinvigorate the place where we left off. And so I can't, you know, I can't bring another person on to my business and go, oh, look, here's the client files, because it wouldn't make sense to anyone else. I've got my client files in different places as well. Some client files are in analog on the pen and paper. Some client files are in the iPad. Some client client files are in my notes on my phone. But it's relevant for that client. Now, does it make my business scalable? Absolutely not. Don't care about that. <laughs> and 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 that's most most outliers will massively struggle with scaling their business because it does require a a systematic sense of order. Here we are, back in the podcast, 10 minutes in, as we always do, 10 minutes, one topic. This topic has been controlled chaos. The order of the outlier is different. It's not wrong, it's different. It works in a cyclical, a cyclical fashion. There is order to it, even though it's counter to everyone else. Learn your patterns of order. Learn why you do odd things in different ways and own it and, and be able to communicate it because there's also gold in it for other people. Welcome back to the podcast team. It's been great. I'm going to have more coming. And I'm going to have more coming for a new reason. There is another little system, very, very small system I'm going to introduce into the outlier world, which is going to make it fun. I'm going to be way more accessible. Uh, But I'll leave that right there. Little teaser for everyone. Thanks for listening, team. Take it easy.